Markets do clear. Situations do clear. It's just a matter of time, and we're taking advantage of that, being opportunistic and creating those opportunities for those businesses, those small businesses, whether they be distribution companies or small manufacturing companies, to actually have a home, to work with their banker, who they'd known for several years, just be on a different platform, a stronger platform that's more connected to them. What are some of the new lessons for businesses post-pandemic? What traditional business principles still endure? What happened to the banking crisis that was supposed to have devoured the entire banking industry when three of them failed in March? And why, despite all that has happened to it, does his bank still believe in San Francisco? I'm Tony Melandra, NFIB California Senior Media Manager. We're proud to have this podcast supported in part by Five Star Bank serving customers through specialized banking solutions for entrepreneurs, business owners, and community leaders in Northern California. Here to introduce and talk with today's guest is NFIB California State Director, John Kabatek. Take it away, John. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tony, and welcome, everybody. We are so honored and excited to welcome back a really great friend to NFIB and to small business, And the man and the company that are helping to make these NFIB small business podcasts possible. And that person is James Beckwith, president and CEO of Five Star Bank. James joined Five Star Bank in 2003. This is 20-year anniversary, James. Happy anniversary. And is deeply connected to the Sacramento community. He's chaired several community-based organizations, including the Sacramento Metro Chamber of Commerce, Valley Vision, and KVIE, which is the local PBS affiliate. James previously served as the Chief Financial Officer and Chief Operating Officer at National Bank of the Redwoods in Santa Rosa. He graduated from San Francisco State University with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration with a concentration in accounting. And he is also a graduate of the Pacific Coast Banking School at the University of Washington, where he served as class president. In 2020, James was recognized by the Sacramento Metro Chamber of Commerce as the Businessman of the Year and he was named among the most admired CEOs of 2020 by the Sacramento Business Journal. He was also recognized with a Vistage Leadership Award in 2021 and is the 2022 UCP Humanitarian of the Year. Wow. I don't know when you sleep, but we're so glad you took a few minutes while you're awake to be with us, James Beckwith. Welcome. Great to have you with us, my friend. Great to have you back. John, thank you so much for that introduction. And I can't tell you how happy and pleased we are with our our relationship. I think that it just gets more and more interesting and and more and more powerful every year. So thank you for allowing us to do this. It's been so much fun. You know, James, we've had great NFIB members and experts. We've had five-star bank customers and members. We've had some great folks from the Capitol, from around the state, from around the country, really hiding home about what small business owners need to know. And as you're always good to know about, how people can get more involved. And I tell you, independent banks, five-star bank, you all have been there, especially as we still emerge out of COVID. And I just really applaud five-star as a great example, but so grateful to you and great to have you back, my friend. It's always great to shoot the breeze with you. So we always have a good time. So great. Hey, well, James, let me ask you, let's just kind of get right down to it. You know, let's talk about the economy. You know, it's on everybody's mind. We're at about November and almost towards December of 2023. And 
you know, right now the economy hasn't, it really hasn't hit any lows or hints of recession. And, and yet, James, from a historical perspective, you know, we're long due for one or so it seems. Okay, with the interest rates that are stifling a lot of growth, I mean, what do you advise businesses and especially small businesses that should do to insulate themselves from this downturn just in case it happens again? What are your thoughts? Sure. Certainly the interest rate environment is, is, it is indeed stifling with respect to small business. We've certainly seen it. It's obviously a response to inflationary pressures, and we hope that the Fed will moderate its response and hopefully pause, but we'll see what that might mean for us in the future. But interest rates are having an effect on investment. I think it's real clear to us. You know, for so many years, John, being a zero interest rate environment, it spurred a lot of investment. But now you have, I'm going to say, a 5% hurdle to mm-hmm. overcome. And people are thinking twice. Do they want to just, hey, go out and put their money in treasuries or do they want to invest in a business? So it's creating a question in people's minds. And that has a resultant impact in terms of what people might want to do from an investment perspective. Now, with respect to, you know, small businesses, and, you know, we haven't seen a recession. In fact, third quarter GDP was quite strong, as you recall. I don't, I think right. the fourth quarter will certainly moderate from that. But, you know, let's, let's say that people should be cautious. Owners should be cautious as you look forward into 2024. But, you know, what, what are some of the things that small business people can you know, to think about and prepare for? I think that's a great question you ask. And yeah. I always focus back on the balance sheet. How's your liquidity position? How much cash do you have? You know, are you making those right decisions with respect to where you want to put your cash? Now, I don't want to suggest that small business owners, owners should just roll up in a ball and be timid, but rather be mindful about their cash positions. How can they improve the collection cycle on their accounts receivable? Are they getting the best terms from their vendors and whatnot? Are they taking advantage of discounts? Those things, I think, are very important. But when a downturn does come, and let's say for the sake of this argument, it does, you know, what is a small business owner going to do? And I have a couple thoughts about that. It's really focusing on relationships, the relationships that you have with your customers, and also the new customers you want to have relationships, your prospects. And I'm related back to what, you know, we were doing two to three years ago. Boy, it was just fast and furious. And we didn't really have an opportunity to cultivate. Well, we think we're going to have those opportunities. And I think also small business people will have those opportunities to cultivate new relationships and invest in them, you know, personally and professionally. And that's something that I would suggest to your listeners that they make that type of an effort, if you will, to really think about playing the long game. Where do I want my business to be five years from now? What should I be doing today to help that? And I think if successful, and I think, you know, there's no reason to believe that, you know, an enterprise wouldn't be successful in the long run, but play the long game. That's what I always suggest to my, to my clients and, and, and my friends. Yeah. What's one, like, you've seen plenty of small business owners when it comes to their banking and their financial decisions. I mean, what is one of the more most common, I don't want to say mistakes, but maybe it is. And one of the most common things that small business owners, especially those kind of getting up and running, tend to overlook. Is it just that lack of, 
of looking at the long horizon here and planning for it. What, what are some, what are, what are your observations and, and thoughts and suggestions there? Well, it's really, you know, I'm, we, we work with a lot of high growth companies. And mm-hmm. so are you, are you prepared to scale? Are you prepared to grow your top line, increase your customers and improve your product offering? Are you going to be really driving the top line? And oftentimes when the recession comes, small business owners kind of, kind of retrench, if you will. And I think that's a mistake. I think that history has proven as far as five-star bank goes, when there's a recession, we invest, we hire. And when things do turn around, you come out of it like a rocket ship and from a, from a performance perspective. And so missing opportunities, I, I would think, and you, you know, that's something that we think we see. I know that we see, you know, every year in terms of, you know, businesses that are out that we touch and that we know about, they miss opportunities to take advantage of market conditions, especially when their competitors maybe are not performing as well as they should be, or their competitors decide to sell out to maybe a larger entity or a national entity. That's when opportunities are created. And that's what small business should be looking for those opportunities to garner new relationships when those events happen. And maybe putting a fine point on that, I mean, you have had, we have had some wonderful customers of Five Star Bank here in the studio. And any that just come to mind that really took the the bull by the horns, you know, maybe it was during COVID, maybe it wasn't, but any, any customers or members of yours that just really, that just stick in your mind that you just really were impressed with that really, really, you know, made, made a lot of lemonade out of lemons and, and moved forward and did some cool things. You know, I guess one comes to mind, General Produce. Now, they went through a liquidity, a partial liquidity event a few months ago. But when they were coming out of the the pandemic, they were in uh, facilities that were older, Mm -hmm. that were, you know, around, you know, intergenerationally a couple generations ago. And so they operated in, you know, in those facilities. But they took a real bold step, really improving their facilities moved out to Metro Air Park and really just improved their bottom line and their efficiency. And that took a lot of, I'm going to say, courage to kind of move forward. Courage from the ownership group by hiring, you know, the professional managers that they did. And I just have a lot of respect for the whole team, Jeff and Tony, but also the family in terms of what they were able to accomplish for themselves, for their business, and also for themselves personally. So that's something that kind of stepped, uh, you know, and I recall because, you know, the pandemic put certain, created certain challenges to business and especially small business. And I think that's an example of a company that, you know, had a strong backbone and created something new out of something that was needed to move forward. So that, that's a, that's what comes to mind, John. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. I, I always love when we, when we certainly get, you know, your, your customers or NFIB members to share their stories and always love hearing those from you, James, because it really it inspires a lot of listeners here and so many others who think I can't, I can't, I didn't, I wouldn't. And, uh, and so thank you. That's general produce. That's very cool. Very cool story. Well, it's the, you know, I tell this story or I use this, you know, we all read the little blue train 
climbing the mountain to our children when we're young. Absolutely. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. I was reading that and yep. That, very cool. And Highlights Magazine and Boy's Life and all kinds of cool stuff. So, but that's a great story. And it really does teach people that they can make it happen. Let's, let's talk a little bit about real estate. You know, a lot of small NFIB members, some NFIB members and small business owners own property. I would, you know, I think we find that many, if not most, tend to rent these, especially these days. They're, they're, they're leasing. You know, James, the industry's take, been taking a beating, unfortunately. But, you know, what opportunities, if any, are there for small businesses owners to, you know, to get into larger properties, maybe from a rental perspective, maybe not, but without such a burden? What are your thoughts on the real estate market? the mom and pops out there. Sure. You, you could look across any asset class in commercial real estate and you can see declines in valuation over the last 12 months. The largest being office, significantly yeah. the largest being office. And I don't think we have to go too far in our footprint to see the impact of that. A lot of space that may be rented, but it's vacant. You know, where we office, not a lot of cars in the parking lot. So you would think at some point that the, the chicken's going to come home to roost on that with respect to the investors. And I think those markets will take a few years to clear, the office market in particular. I think when you look at our, our downtown and, you know, San Francisco's downtown, you can see, you know, those markets will take a while to clear. But they will. They will clear because we've all been through this before. In terms of small business opportunities, certainly – you know, a professional service firm that's looking for space, they're probably going to get a better deal today than they got, you know, 12 months ago. So I think that that's a opportunistic point of view with respect to, you know, renting. If you're a distributor or you need some shop space and whatnot, I think that market might still be a little tight in terms of pricing power resting with the landlords. But I would say, you know, Keep an eye on it for the next 12 months and see what may transpire. You know, from a retail perspective, a small business has a, you know, a retail enterprise. I think that there could be some opportunities, you know, for reduced rents and whatnot. And it all comes back to the equation. Are you willing to go a little longer? And what are the dynamics of the market? Are you willing to tie, tie into, you know, a longer term lease? Is your landlord willing to give you a long, longer term lease? Because let's put your feet in the shoes of the landlord side, you know, if rents are depressed, yeah. they're going to want to opt for a shorter lease. Well, now's the time to maybe push up on that a little bit or push back on that a little bit. And, and as a tenant, opt for maybe a little longer lease uh, to lock in today's lower rates. So that's a that's a game we all play as a tenant and as an owner. Sure. <laughs> On both sides of that equation. We know it. We know so, it. But I think that there are opportunities for small businesses to look, you know, for ownership if they can get a, a really good deal and look for those distressed properties because there's going to be them out there. As rates are such a high level in the interest rate, let's say, on that's financing a commercial real estate property resets at a much higher rate than what it was, you know, that creates pressure from a landlord perspective. And are they going to be able to refinance it or not? Or are they would they be better off just selling the property? And so look for those opportunities that I think will be coming up 
near term over the next 12 months. A lot of a lot of properties, you know, and there's data out there, certainly in the public market, that will kind of track, you know, maturities, if you will, mm-hmm. in the commercial real estate space. And there's a lot of maturities that are coming up over the next 36 months. Yeah. So I guess the message is keep your eyes open, keep your eyes peeled, and there's, there's always think, deals to be made. Have a good broker. Have a good real estate broker, commercial real estate broker, a lot of great shops, great houses within, yeah. you know, that you can utilize and, and just be mindful that there are opportunities out there. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hi, I'm James Beckwith, president and CEO of Five Star Bank. We are excited to help bring you this series of podcasts focused on small business concerns in conjunction with the NFIB. When Five Star Bank was founded in 1999, it was business and community leaders, local entrepreneurs, who wanted to create the sort of personalized banking services they desired themselves. Services inspired by partnership and defined by shared vision and goals, a true understanding of the needs of small business owners. I know a meaningful relationship with a banker can be hard to find. At Five Star Bank, we are responsive, understand your business, and are committed to your success. We want to be a part of your growth and a valued partner supporting your vision and your dreams. You'll find direct access to a banker, complete online and mobile business banking you need to succeed. As an SBA preferred lender, let us help you with your startup business or existing business. If you're looking to make a change, please give us the opportunity to demonstrate what our personalized banking services could mean for you. I promise you individual attention from our colleagues who understand your business and are as committed to your success as you are. You can find us online at fivestarbank.com. I love to shift gears, although it's speaking of another industry, and that's obviously the banking industry and the financial institutions, right? You know, I'd love to have a conversation with you for a little bit about this, James, you know, get your perspective. You know, earlier this year, as listeners know, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank were were two of those institutions that really were shut down by the government. It left people out there wondering that the banking crisis was going to sweep the nation. And guess what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. You know, tell us a little about your thoughts about that, but let's have a little more of that conversation. I'd love to know your thoughts about just the industry, what's happening out there, but, but this didn't happen. Why didn't, why didn't we see this, this firestorm? Well, a couple things about that. I think that the, the problems with those enterprises balance sheets, and I'm going to throw First Republic in there too, were mm-hmm. very apparent to an outsider and when rates rose, put that you know process put a tremendous amount of pressure on those those enterprises, those balance sheets, if you will, and a lot. Of, and I think in all three cases, there was some mismanagement of you know their liquidity positions, and they chose to go long by buying investment securities, and maybe they shouldn't, given the volatility that resided in mm-hmm. their deposit franchise. Now, I don't want to get too technical about this, but it was a mismatch of, you know, interest rate risk management, shorter term liabilities, which are deposits. You know, they didn't create and have the liquidity on balance sheet to be able to deal with any massive withdrawals. And we all know what happened that week, second week of March to Silicon Valley Bank. They had over 
one day over $40 billion go out in one day. I'm not wow. million, wow. billion. And it forced the regulators' hands. They knew they couldn't meet their cash letter, so they closed them down on a Friday, I believe. Then on Sunday, Signature got closed. And yeah. then, you know, right. I think six to eight weeks later, right. First Republic was closed. So, boy, talking about a, the beginnings of a cri- crisis and confidence with respect to, you know, your deposit relationship that you have with your bank. So, so why didn't it get worse? I think a couple of reasons, and I'll put it in the context of, you know, what, what we saw. Yeah. So when this all happened, you know, certainly we got calls, hey, is everything okay? And I said, yes, it's fine. We're not constructed like those other banks were. We don't have a big investment securities portfolio. We've got a ton of liquidity more than anybody else or by more than most, and we're fine. You know who we are, you know how we do things. We're very conservative with respect to that. But I think the biggest factor in this, and there was a there was a misstep for about forty eight hours at the FDIC when Silicon Valley Bank failed. Their chairman Marty Grunberg came out and said, "Well, you're all going to get certificates." <laughs> well, what do you mean you're going to get? We're going to get a certificate. What is that? How are we? How are we going to redeem that? So that just put fuel on the fire. Well. A couple days later, and I think over the weekend, he said, no, 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 we're going to, all the regulators got together, worked with the White House and whatnot, and said, we're going to honor everybody's deposit, okay? Mm -hmm. Forget, you know, we're going to transcend, and they have the right to do this, the deposit insurance, you know, maximums, $250,000. We're going to make sure everybody's deposit is good. So no risk of loss to depositors. Now, if he would have said that, a few days earlier, right, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been a bank run on Silicon Valley Bank. So it, what really happened is that the federal government, through the FDIC, stepped in and calmed the waters, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And there was a, a there was a crisis of confidence in the banking system. And so I think to their credit, the chairman, Marty Grunberg, and other regulators and the White House and Congress – said, hey, we're going to make sure that this doesn't spread and we're going to calm everything down and we're going to make sure that nobody's going to lose any money from a depositor perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how that tide stopped. Now, First Republic, the damage was already done. So that was like a, you know, the, the, it yeah. was already, they were already, yeah. you couldn't bring that bank back. That You remember that Chase put in like $30 billion as a deposit and all that. Right. It was mortally wounded. Right. And so the writing was on the wall on that one. So what's happened, and I don't, I'm going to regionalize this a little bit. So these three of these banks had significant presence in Northern California, right? Mm-hmm. You looked at market share reports in, you know, the Bay Area in Northern California a year ago. You go, gosh, these guys are like two and three. Yeah. Well, they don't exist anymore. They're yeah. gone. And so this has created a fair amount of turmoil from a customer perspective, right? Hey, I didn't choose to be with whoever acquired my entity bank, and I don't know where my my rep is anymore, my account exec, and I'm not sure if I want to be there. So, and then from an employee perspective, massive disruption. So here we are, five-star bank, 
always trying to take advantage of it and help at the same time a situation. Mm -hmm. So we proceeded to hire several professionals and we're opening an office in downtown San Francisco. And hopefully I have that all all done second quarter of 2024. We've hired nine people so far. We're probably going to 13 first part of 2024 and they're doing a heck of a job. And so, you know, markets do clear. Okay. Yeah. Situations do clear. It's just a matter of time and, and we're taking advantage of that being opportunistic. So, and creating those opportunities for those businesses, those small businesses, whether they be distribution companies or small manufacturing companies to actually have a home to work with the, their banker, who they'd known for several years, and right. just be on a different platform, a stronger platform, a platform that's more connected to them. So we're excited about that. Congratulations. But I'm going to tell you. Big deal. That's yeah. a big deal. Nobody, nobody, thank you, John. Nobody wanted to see that happen. Yeah. Okay? Nobody wanted to see this thing kind of come unwound like the way that it did. No banker did. But here we are you know, trying to help and take advantage of it from a business opportunity perspective. So, you know, early in the conversation, we've referenced like what, you know, what happens to your, if your competitors misstep or go Mm -hmm. out of business or get acquired and whatnot, creates opportunity for those business owners to take advantage of it. And so this is our way of taking advantage of a situation that wasn't ideal. Congratulations. That's a, that's a big step. And what, what really with you, James Beckwith, what was kind of the real linchpin that said, you know what, we're, we're all in, we're all in to expand here. What was that? Was there one, one message or one signal or light bulb that went off or was it just a kind of a series of things? Well, I think a couple things. And and the, and the, the pandemic taught us one thing is that we're not constrained. Mm -hmm. We can do business anywhere, you know, as long as we have a Zoom, or excuse me, a, you know, a Surface Pro or a yeah. tablet or, you know, a good telecom and we can connect with Wi-Fi and we can do business anywhere. And so that opened a lot of people's eyes. And I, I would argue a lot of small business people feel the same way, that they can, you know, they can expand their, you know, the geography in which they sell into because of technology. And so when this opportunity came up, we thought, well, geez, you know, we can go down to the Bay Area. That's easy for us. I mean, it's only an hour and a half away, maybe an hour and 20 if you're driving really fast and, you know, in a non-commute time. And we we're very familiar with the Bay Area. You know, I went to school there, started my career there. Same with a lot of other folks associated with our with our bank. And so it wasn't a big stretch. And we knew a lot of the, you know, what that business was all about down there you know, heavy emphasis on venture sure. businesses, of which we do a fair amount of up here in Sacramento. So there was a, a decent nexus there. So, you know, right time, right place. And, you know, selecting the right leadership to be involved down there, I think is very important. In the end, it's always about people. And so we thought, hey, let's give it a go. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of faith in not just San Francisco, but the Bay Area and California and, and, and kind of seeing that revival as we look ahead at next year. Just, just on that point, you know, San Francisco is a great city. 
Mm-hmm. And if you think about San Francisco nationally, it gets a lot of bad press. But when I was living and working down there, you know, 35 years ago, it had its rough parts. You know, it's no, not really different now than it was then. It just gets a lot of publicity. Yeah. And I think if you were in downtown financial district right now, you go, boy, this is nice. Maybe not a lot of people walking around, but still nice. Yeah. And so we, I'll tell you a little story. It's kind of funny. So we decided to get our name out down there. And so we did, started advertising on KMBR, the Giants pregame. People actually listen to that, right? We're also doing the Niners too. And so our little tagline at the end is, we believe in San Francisco. And nobody was really saying that. Yeah. But we are. Right. Listen, you know, politics aside, there's a lot of business to be done down there. Oh. You know, if you just remove yourself from that whole equation and because that stuff is just noise from my perspective. Businesses need help down there, and we're we're going to be there to help them. Well, I think you and Five Star send a great message to those out there that you know be bold and jump in and and have faith and see things turning. And, and it's just a great message to the entrepreneurs and just the existing business owners. I have a question, James, and I know we'll probably wrap it up with a little bit, but we still have a lot of small business owners who probably are wedded to the larger you know financial institutions versus the small independent banks and the company you know like Five Star. What would be your Kind of the risk of sounding like an advertorial or infomercial, but I really think that he's into small and independent banks. I think Five Star is a great one. What what advice would you give to small business owners, entrepreneurs who are kind of wet, have been wedded to those larger banks about the real benefits, the real positives of, of being associated with a more small independent bank? Kind of, a, what do you think? Sure. And certainly there was a, a flight to larger banks because of safety concerns that came out of the great turmoil. Right. Don't want to discount that. For sure. But we we grew deposits and grew relationships and whatnot. So I think it ultimately gets back to one thing. Do you know your banker? Do you have a relationship with them? Can you pick up the phone? Can you call them over the weekend? Can You know, do they know you? Do they know your family? And I'm going to argue that that's a lot harder to do if you're a major bank versus an independent community bank. Are they connected to the community? Do you see them in the grocery store? Do you see them in the soccer field? Do you see them at the charity events? Yeah. Do, do they, is it, can they sustain that type of relationship over a period of years? And what happens in that larger bank environment, if you've got any talent, you're, you know, you're reassigned. And suddenly you got a lot of turnover on, you know, your relationship managers. Well, that hasn't happened. I've got a lot of people that have been working for us, you know, for 15 plus years and that are, you know, business development relationship manager folks. So it's really about the relationship. How would you characterize your relationship with your bank? Is it is it okay? Or is it just okay? It's like I don't even know if I have a relationship with the bank. That's where I just I deposit my money there and nobody really knows me. I don't know anybody there. Mm-hmm. I think that becomes important when you're trying to do something, when you're trying to grow your business, you're trying to scale – Maybe increase your line of credit. How is that process going to work? Do they know me? 
Do they know my business? Do they know my customers? Can they help me grow my business? That's something we do a lot of as a bank. And I would I would argue it's easier for the independent community banks to do that than the majors. Yeah. Great note to to finish on. James, always great to have you with us. So grateful for the wonderful support, but most importantly for the example that you and Five Star set and the help that you're giving so many small business owners out there. If there are those out there who are not yet involved with Five Star and have a real interest in becoming a customer or finding out more, what's the best way to, to get, get in contact? Well, I'm going to say go online and, and look at fivestarbank.com. You know, that's our URL. We, we, we got it before anybody else did. And you can contact us through that way. That's the most efficient way. And, yeah. and we will respond to you within 24 hours, guaranteed, yeah. <laughs> and, and get into conversation with you to see how we can help. So thanks for that, John. Of course. And, and not that you're not a very responsive guy, but I will, I will not run the risk of giving everybody your personal cell phone number. I know you've got a lot of staff out there ready to help <laughs> and you need to have a Thanksgiving. <laughs> but James, it's great having you. Thank you. And we'd love to have you back. Anything coming up with Five Star in 2024? I know obviously you're, I think the big news is really your expansion into San Francisco, which congratulations again, but anything else that our our listeners could be mindful of or anything you got on the horizon. Well, sure. It's thank you, John. And it's really, you know, part of a grander strategy to be the preeminent commercial business bank in Northern California. See, we don't, Yeah, I, I, I think that you can't do that unless you have a significant presence in Sacramento and the Valley and Northern California and in the Bay area. So that's the path that we're on. And it's going to take a long time to do that, but we like where we are and we like, we like our prospects. Excellent. James Beckwith, Five Star Bank CEO, a great friend to NFIB and small business, great friend to John Kabatek even. He'll, he'll even be friends with me. That, there's hope. <laughs> but known you for many years and so exciting to see what's happening out there and all the great help you're giving Main Street owners. And I encourage everybody to just look into, you know, five stars for sure, a one to look into, but take a look at those independent banks. Take a look at your neighborhood family, like James said. You know, those are important to just understand those ones that are responsive, helpful, friendly, and really can call you their own in, in your own backyard. So appreciate you. I'm wishing you a wonderful holiday season as we wrap up 2023, James, and look forward to having you back sometime soon in the new year. Thanks so much, John. Really enjoyed the conversation. All right. That does it for our NFIB Small Business Podcast with James Beckwith, Five Star Bank. Hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season and 2024. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, John. And thank you, James Beckwith, for your insights and for believing in my hometown of San Francisco. Again, we'd like to thank Five Star Bank for its generous support of this and future podcasts. You can learn more about Five Star at fivestarbank.com. You can find all NFIB California podcasts at nfib.com slash ca slash podcasts. That's nfib.com slash ca slash podcasts. You can also find our podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching NFIB California. I would also like to thank Multipoint Content Strategies for its production of this podcast. You can learn more about them at multipointstrategies.com. Why podcasts for small business? 
It has been NFIB's educational mission for 80 years to remind policymakers that small businesses are not smaller versions of big businesses and that a one-size-fits-all rule, regulation, or tax can do Main Street Enterprises more harm than good. We hope these podcasts aid in better understanding. Finally, thank you to our listeners. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode, subscribe, and give us a positive rating. We would appreciate it.